Hello and welcome to Explore Your Core. I'm the host Elise and on this podcast we delve inwards to explore ideas around creativity, curiosity and the mind. Today I'm joined by Marissa Kudrovac, a teacher, speaker and facilitator who's done a TED talk on Metafear and written a book, Give Them Goosebumps. Marissa left Cameron's talk at the Krishna Village on the power of presence and now I'm fortunate enough to be in his presence for the podcast. So thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, your um, speech that you gave, really, really powerful. Um, compared to, say, a normal speech, you, you slowed down and you took in everyone's energy. And that was a really, really powerful day for me. And I was wondering if you could tell me, where did this all start? Where did the speaking kind of come from? Where did this idea of caring about presence and energy come from? Mm, that's a good question. Probably... I want to say probably from meditation, like me slowing down to feel and find myself. It was like, I can't really leave this part of me behind anymore. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how speaking or how careers happen for most people. I know for me, it hasn't been very logical. It's not like I have a dream and this is the dream I want to follow. Or, um, I don't know, this is the career I envision for myself. It just came up that I need to speak. And at first I didn't know what I was going to speak about, uh, and I remember, I remember working as a photographer at the time and telling the business development manager of this company that I'm going to be a speaker. And she's like, what are you going to speak about? It's like, I don't know. Like, but it doesn't even, not that it doesn't matter. Like it does matter. But I was like, whatever this is pulling is that's pulling me, it's like, it's going to work out what I need to speak about. Like I might not be speaking today or tomorrow, but I can see that's the trajectory where my life is going. So it's like, I think a lot of the time we think we need to have the thing figured out before we do it and my mm-hmm. life has been almost the complete opposite it's like start doing it and recognize you you discover the path by walking it not by trying to find that it's a safe path and it's like this is the path i'll take mm. so i don't know if that really answers your question yeah yeah no it does okay i find that really fascinating because you were saying that as well during the talk and i was like that's literally me like i really have this feeling of doing some form of speaking down the track and people are like, so, you know, what is that? Like, I, I don't know. Mm. But it's not a, a daunting, scary, I don't know. It's just, it hasn't, I feel like it just hasn't revealed itself yet. And the same with my art. It's like, I, I feel this, this passion of doing things like big things, what it is. I have no idea, but I think it's a really beautiful thing that you just keep doing and it unfolds as you're doing it. Like no direct path. Cause I think our brain likes to know certainty and being like, cool, this is where I'll be this is the goal I'm aspiring for. This is the career. So it's been really beautiful to see it um, unfold for you in such a beautiful way of getting to where you are now. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing you said before we started the interview, like um, that disconnection of not having a clear path or of doing it your own way, it's it's quite daunting. Like those times that I used to, there's many times, that, like years, 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 <laughs> Where I used to be like, I wish I just have a normal career. Like, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. It's like, the whole thing is paved out for you and you just walk it. There's not this thing of like, uh, God knows how much time I've spent wondering what I should do next because I feel overwhelmed and I'm not making money. And it's like, there is no clear path. You know, it's like, we're all just doing it on our own. Mm. And how did you kind of have that courage to keep doing it anyway? Because I feel the same thing. Like in this period, I'm like, oh, questioning should I be doing this? Yeah, not make money, not really knowing if this is going to take me anywhere. Like, how do you keep knowing that this is the way you want to keep going? Mm. 
Well, right now, it's like it's very clear. Like it's it's over these last two or three years, it's really started opening up. So there's a bigger sense of like, okay, you know, um, this is where I needed to be all along. I think earlier on, I tried. Not that I tried doing other things. Like this was always there, and I always had to like keep teaching and speaking. But there was times where I did other things to make money, and you know, this is ridiculous things like even farming <laughs> garlic. <laughs> yeah, like lots of garlic. Um, and as much as I love being on the land and like you know having my hands in the earth, I was like, this is beautiful, but I can't live my life like this. Mm. Like even if I could make enough money to be comfortable, a part of my soul would feel like I'm dying unless I'm doing what I need to do with the stage. So it was the re- recognition that money wasn't going to answer the problem I had. Like the problem was like a not that I think of it as a problem, but it was a soul problem. Like my soul wanted to express something, and I just had to be okay with that and okay with not knowing. And okay with like the continual leaning into the mystery and being like, okay, just keep showing me and I'll keep listening. Mm, that's powerful. And yeah, everything you're saying is really, really resonating with me. So it's almost like asking questions to have answers for myself. But um, how how did you then still go about your normal life knowing? Because I, I get that same, that feeling of my soul's not quite content. It needs to be in a different direction. And say if I'm like going to the pub with people or like gardening I know deep down that's not what I really want to be doing and it just doesn't fill my soul but how there's still things that I guess sometimes have to be done I can't be doing what I love at this point in time I need things that kind of give me money and I have these kind of different connections how do you put up with that because I feel like you get a lot of mental like agitation I guess between those disparities of say working in the garden doing gardening but knowing that's not Mm. at a soul level what I want to do yeah it's a good question I feel there's something around, like, for one, getting comfortable with making money with less time. So for me, when things weren't as stable, I was teaching yoga. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yoga paid a lot better than a lot of the other things I was doing. And it wasn't a purely, like, a money-driven decision for me. But knowing that I could do something I was enjoying and growing in the area that I loved, which was working with people, and it was, like, in alignment with my own spiritual path. It's like, okay, it's nice to have this as a base while I keep building my speaking business. And I was speaking at the time as well, but it wasn't regular enough to be like, um, okay, this is all I can do now. And I find the more, like the better paying, whatever it is, it's keeping us safe, the more time we have to do to focus on the mm. other things we, we want to be doing. You know, and keep that like logical and safe. Don't do anything crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really a really good way to put it. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Like have something that's got the income and then I guess fund as well, like the projects that you're wanting to do, but be a little bit more similar in the right the right way. Yeah, and I would also add like sometimes I speak to people and they're like, oh, I want to do X, Y, Z and I'm going to build this retreat center and then do this and then do that. I'm like, you can start running retreats now. You don't need a retreat center. And you just include it in the price of your tickets and off you go. So like there's also minimum viable products it's like what's the least amount that you can do to create something that you can offer or um, put out to the market to see if there's interest like there's no point building a six-week program which then no one wants to buy it's like if you put it out there and people are buying it it's like okay well now i have a month to create this thing and put it together Mm, yeah that's so true that's a really good point i think it all ties back as well just i guess different approaches to life and business like i'm very much a just do it and then the rest will kind of follow. Because I know if I plan too much, it doesn't actually follow through. Like sometimes I've just got to put myself out there and then learn from it. Is that, I guess, the approach that you took? How did you 
start to actually take action on these things, like say getting a calling to do yoga or getting a calling to speak, how did that kind of come to fruition? The the yoga I was doing, so at the time I was running a big event in Melbourne of like, I, I quit my day job, so it's a crazy path like for me to end up in speaking. I used to be a photographer slash graphic designer mm-hmm. and I was teaching meditation at the time and when I went to teach this one particular class, it just kept coming up internally. It's been coming up for a week, but I wasn't really listening, maybe <laughs> even for a few weeks, but it kept coming up to, to quit my job and to just run this like big New Year's Eve cacao party. So it's like no drugs, no alcohol, nothing like this had really been done in Melbourne at the time. You had like underages, but nothing like for a mainstream audience. I kind of leaned into that. And at first I started laughing. I was like, okay, I don't know what to do with this, but you know, I can't, I can't teach this class anymore because this voice is being so loud. So I, I internally agreed with myself to, to follow that. And that kind of led to me having to speak in front of groups over and over again, just to create that event. You know, the first was like 10 and 15 people, then 20, then 50. And then by the end of it, it was like 200 people at the event. Wow. And it all felt like it was scary, but also felt natural and organic. And I remember one of the women there saying to me, Miroslav, do you realize whenever you speak, like you can hear a pin drop in the room? And I was like, no, I thought that was just happening inside of me because there was so much, you know, fear and, and nervousness and whatever. And when she reflected it to me, just kind of started opening up my awareness in what happens in that dynamic between like speakers and audiences. And what's like internal is really broadcasting as well. So that was a big part. And as a part of that, we had a team of, of like a dance troupe that was rehearsing in a yoga studio. And I went to do some filming for them for our social media. And when I went there, I met um, Amy, who was running that studio. And she was like, oh, come do a class, whatever you want. And I came along and, you know, after a few classes, she was like, first love, you'd make a really good yoga teacher. Um, and I, I just laughed. She's like, I can see you teaching yoga. I just laughed. I was like, Amy, I'm here to hang out with you. I'm like, I don't even like asana that much. I'm like, I, I love meditating. I love yoga, but I'm just you know, not that into the asana. And within like a month or two, I was like, all right, this just keeps coming up. I'm like, where do you recommend I go study? Because, you know, whatever, whatever it is you touched with your words, like it's been turned on now. Or it's like, it's not even that she turned it on. It's like she acknowledged what was already there. And it was like, this just feels so natural to pursue this. Mm, isn't it funny though how those things can like kind of change your life like even say with going to the yoga retreat here I had no idea about it not long ago my friend's like oh you should come and kind of just sat on it sat on it I was like hang on yeah, that, that feels right and now like it's taken you down this way like it's something that you would I never planned for didn't expect but that obviously hasn't had an influence like doing yoga practicing more meditation has kind of taken you on that path that's crazy yeah it's very and, you know, like even I didn't really think about this, but the yoga, like that decision to pursue yoga wouldn't have come without the decision to do the big tribe event. Mm. So it's like, it's like that, that string, of, what's his name? Steve Jobs used to say, you can only join the dots looking backwards. backwards. Yeah. So powerful. And you were saying about kind of feeling fear, especially for some of your first events. How do you kind of internalize or like deal with fear? Because I know you've got a really cool way of looking at fear. Mm. How, how have you processed that? If I was to, to bring it down to like the least amount of words possible, like I don't relate to it as fear, I relate to it as God. And it's mm-hmm. like I'm opening to God, not experiencing fear. And it's like, yeah, fear might be a part of that and the sensations in my body are very real. But the story I'm telling myself about them isn't. And this isn't true for fear in all cases, but I definitely find it's true for a lot of interpersonal fears. It's like me saying to someone, I love you, or getting up on a stage is not life-threatening. It's, 
it's threatening to the idea of who I am. Mm. And that sense of going beyond the idea of who I am is opening to, to God, to the divine, to the true self, whatever you want to call that. Taking away any like religious ideas around the, the experience of God as well. Mm. That's cool. It's interesting the um the stories we tell ourselves. Like we can all have the same experience, do the same thing, but the way that we comprehend it or how we like grapple with it makes it that's ultimately like what determines the outcome. Like we can both speak, both feel fear, you internalize it as this is a good thing, this is for the higher self, and someone else be like, I can't deal with these emotions, one's a mess, one like really thrives in it. So and that's with like all different concepts as well about how we internalize situations and anger and and people, like how we then like the belief we have or the way that we think about it influences how the outcome. Yeah, completely. I could say more. Where, where do you want to go? Do you want to keep going that direction? Yeah. Or? yeah. Um, for me, there's a thing there, like, like I was speaking to a group of, um, I don't even know if they'd call them amateur speakers, but people who are very on in their speaking thing, and some of them were just doing it to break through um, speaking, and others were perhaps, you know, maybe wanted to, to make a part of their career. But as I was speaking to them, and I was like, I was on stage, and I was like, look, if I slow down, you can actually see my hand shaking. I'm like, the fear is real, it's not gone, and I've done this, more times than I can count now mm. and there's this thing of like and that's not always the case I'm like the fear isn't always that palpable but as I was driving to that event I was like this is really weird this is a very small speaking spot it's not like a big thing in my career and my body's very um there's a lot of activation here and whatever this is it's going to be big for me and whatever I'm opening into in speaking to them so I almost like cherish those moments if I get on stage and and that feeling of fear doesn't really come through. It always comes through to some capacity. But there's times I've sat there with like five minutes before and being like, oh, it's not here. Like, do, am I even supposed to be here unless we're going to receive this activation between us? So it's it's a whole different frame through which to approach life. Mm. And even if it's there on a more subtle level, it's like we can still have a good time and we can still, you know, things can be exchanged and learned and we can have fun. But I find for me personally, there's more of a value in the moments where it's like fine blessings like oh, i really need to be here and sometimes it's been through fear like for me telling my father i loved him was one of these moments like it doesn't need to be outwardly big it's more like the the point it's touching inside us mm, yeah isn't that funny that i feel like we're conditioned to run from fear like you feel it and you run away like it's like a, a massive problem for so many people it's just like i'm just too scared to do it i'm too afraid and like you start feeling these anxiousness or like nervousness and you just shut down run away hide from it so it's really fascinating that you keep leaning into it it's mm. powerful mm. i think it is the path you know well not for everyone for some people the path the path can be whatever you make it but for me it's been like the most direct access to the path mm. and i found early on like what would take quite a bit of time to do with meditation to slow the mind down when i got on stage i was like oh this happens instantly the fear is so intense mm. And like we're calling it fear, but for me, all of this is metaphor. It's like recognizing that we can use fear to go through it. Um, it's like the mind just shuts off and it's like, here I am. Like the, the, the sensations in my body are more intense than when I'm meditating, but the experience is quite similar. And I was like, oh, I can just meditate with these sensations as opposed to try and make them, you know, um, pretty peaceful ones. Mm. But the experience is still one of meditation. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I feel like that's kind of been my life for the last year or two is just like leaning into that fear just following just going and like it's it's normal now like i'm more comfortable being in mm. discomfort than in comfort 
Mm. Like it's just, it's just a feeling that I'm like, cool, I've been learning to have trust with because it's always been having my back. Like I'll do something fearful or I guess like that makes me nervous and it just keeps providing. And so I just keep leaning into it. And that's, I guess, like how I live. So it's been a really cool thing experimenting with leaning into that unknown, leaning into that discomfort. What's been the biggest thing that's opened for you for leaning into it? It's like, it's just changed my life. Like I went up the um, East coast for a three week trip. So I was like living at home, stable at home, went to, yeah, like a three week trip turned into three months, turned into it to now, like it's a lifestyle (laughs) now. It's just incredible. The things that have opened up, like doing snow seasons. I never even snowboarded. I snowboarded once in my life before got concussed <laughs> applied for the snow season got the job and now i'm a snowboard instructor just wow. crazy opportunities of people like even being able to speak with you today just <laughs> something that i would never have imagined had i not kind of built up the courage to speak to you afterwards like mm. it, it wouldn't have happened so it's just one thing after the other now i've got like a really nice flow of things happening purely from just reaching out and kind of following what goes mm. It's powerful. It's been the most, and that's why I'm kind of wanting to do this podcast because it's such a beautiful, challenging part. Like that's life and that's kind of what comes with it. But the most enriching experiences come when you're kind of outside your comfort zone, but it's so scary to do. No one's telling you what to do, what it looks like, what might happen. So it's scary, but it's beautiful. Yeah, Mm. And do you mind telling me a little bit more about Metafear? Yeah. Well, considering you've watched the TED Talk, is there a certain direction you want to point your question? Just about how people can use fear, I guess, moving moving forward. How? Because I think, because yeah, studying the brain and psychology, I find it really fascinating how you internalize concepts, how changing the way you think about it or you kind of like have your appraisal about it can impact so much and how you kind of respond in the world. So I'm wanting to understand how you can rethink fear. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing I'd say is there was research done on Tibetan monks and how they relate to fear, I guess, differently than the average person. Uh, and the main thing they found was basically the, the time between sensation and story was a lot longer. So for most people, the, they feel fear and they relate it to something. It's like, I'm scared because there's a dog barking at me. I'm scared because I need to get on stage. And people are going to think I'm blah, blah, blah. And sometimes they don't even know the story. They're just, it's just like rolling so heavily in their mind that they're a victim to the, their own internalized story. And with the Tibetan monks, basically they found a sensation would happen, but they wouldn't label it with anything. It would mm-hmm. just happen. And this is me, me like animating the story, but they had the, the capacity to choose how they related to the sensation. And I think this is true for every sensation in all of life. And I think it shows us how much we're caught up in the drama of life because we're not experiencing the sensations. We're just relating to life. Like it's a story film and you know, we're in the story film and we forget everything else that's happening. It's like, it's for me, it's a bit like watching a violent film before I ever started meditating. And after I remember sitting there going, my body's going for a lot of intense stuff right now. Like I'm watching a war scene and my body's experiencing it. Like I'm in the middle of the war and pre like pre having that awareness i didn't even realize it like my mind was so in the story that it's like i was disconnected from my body and my own sensations so if i bring it back to to fear and i kind of i was journeying this before i ever came across the research or read anything about it i started i started noticing like life felt better if i leaned into it and i also started noticing i don't know what's going to happen on the front end of this decision until i make it 
and I might have a preference. Like, you know, if it's like if it's telling my father I love him, I'd like him to say that to me as well. But it's like I can't have that expectation. I don't know how him or anyone else or any audience is going to feel in response to me. And the only thing I kind of have control over is showing up and answering the call that's arising within me, which is metaphor. And for me, like, there's a lot of spiritual wisdom in, in this. Like, for me, it's the essence of the Gita. It's can I let go of the fruits of my desires? Can I let go of how other people are going to meet or interact with me and realize that there, there might be an offering in what I'm doing for them, but it's not for them. Like, it's like, it's me and my relationship to, to myself, whatever you want to call that, to God, to life, to what's moving through me, to what wants to be expressed through me in this life. Like, I'm placing that on the altar and being like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen, but here we are. Mm. Well, even if you do think you know what's going to happen and have like everything predictable and controlled, still so much happens anyway. Like you can be like, cool, this is what's happening this week and this is what's happening. And like, if I do this, that's the expected outcome. Even that, like there's so much in like unpredictability in life as is, like you can't, can't control it. So you may as well just... Go for where, yeah, where you're feeling and see what happens anyway. Yeah, and it's not always peachy outcomes, you know. I have a no. friend, <laughs> I have a friend that just came up that I needed to talk to her about an edgy topic. It was like a very metaphor moment. And I talked to her and she pulled away and stopped talking to me. Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't last too long. It was about a day or two where she just didn't want anything to do with me. And at the time I was staying at her place as well. I was like, this is really awkward. And it wasn't like my intended desire was like, hey, there's stuff here, let's unpack it because... I want to be like more deeper and more authentic in my relationship to you. She took it the wrong way. And you know, she, like things opened up and changed because someone else gave her reflections and she kind of saw it for what it was. But I'm like, that relationship never really went back to what it was before that. And I have another time where a good friend of mine, like this was coming up for a while to tell her I love her. And when I told her, she got really scared and she stopped <laughs> talking to me. And there was about a month where she refused to talk to me. And I was like, I've, so internally, it's like, this is the worst outcome that could have happened. But after I told her, like within five to 10 minutes, I just went to complete bliss. And I was like, I just don't know anything about anything. Maybe my mind would have wanted her to say, hey, I love you too. This thing that happened was the worst thing, like on a mental level, but on an experiential level, like I experienced more bliss, you know, than, than what I could have imagined from any other outcome. So it was like this teaching of, you know, let just let go of all the stories your mind has, the good ones and the bad ones, and just trust that, like, that this is the way and that you're receiving what you need to receive through through following this feeling. Mm. Yeah, and it's funny as well because, like, even when things don't work out, like, usually good things come from it afterwards or, I guess, in, in retrospect, like, you know, maybe I didn't get the job but actually it turned out better because I went through this wild, like, the story that's kind of coming to my mind is, I quit my job at Mount Borbor because I got a job at Hotham, so another snow mountain, and then I had it going away, said goodbye, and then the morning I was leaving, got a call from Hotham saying, you no longer got the job. So mm -hmm. now I've got no job, no accommodation. And I just went to bed crying, being like, what have I done? Like, I don't even have my job anymore. I can't do the season. But what came of it was the, the most incredible months of my life. I then went back to Hotham just to like go snowboarding, got a job in town, like lived in Bright for the next couple of months and how mm. that all played out. Looking back, it not only was it incredible, but it was better than staying in the position that I was. And I think it's really interesting when you change your mentality of when things like don't go to plan or don't work out to, hey, something's still going to come from it or I'm going to learn from it. 
is really powerful. I think having a good reference, like a way of thinking about so-called like bad things or things that don't go to plan makes such a difference. Yeah, yeah, completely. It's like it's a different relationship to life than the one we're brought up with. Mm. That's why I say to people like when that, um, like if you want to live in this way, when that uh, pull to to speak arises or the pull to do something arises from that metaphor place, it's like take action on it even if you don't know why it's happening. It might make sense to you years from now. And sometimes I'm like, it might just open up internal pathways that for me internally, I was like, oh, I would have spent like years trying to work through this in therapy and it's just happened like this just by answering the call from life. Mm. Mm. And you seem to kind of have almost this calling from inside like mm. that you can't ignore. It's kind of like coming through you, like something told me to do it. Where did that come from? Like how do you tap into that? Because it's not a, oh, I feel like doing this. It's almost like it's something in me is telling me to do it. Yeah, I feel there's something there in our relationship with desire. So often when we say desire, we kind of take that into an intimacy, sexuality space. But for me, there's this like other level of desire where it's like, the desire that's inherently inside us um, that's moving through life and wants to express itself. And I think traditionally in spiritual paths, it's been like, no, no, we're going to cut off from that and we're going to cut off from the world and we're just going to live in a little bubble where we don't have to interact with that. And I feel innately like, yeah, there's desires that are like surface level gratifying and then there's these deeper desires which are like, they want to bring completion and... It's like they want to complete the package of life. Sally Kempton, a traditional Tantra teacher, she, she uses proper words for them. I think one of them is Icha Shakti, which is like, it's like the desire of our own will that wants to bring us back to ourself. And like a lot of those desires, that's how I kind of see them. I'm like, oh, this isn't an ego desire. Like this desire is going to destroy my ego if I follow it. And like ego, not in a nasty sense, just ego in a sense of identity. The desire that's led me to speaking has meant I've had to keep destroying ideas around myself and who I am. Mm. And it's not me that's doing it. It's like the desire that's doing it. And I'm kind of watching the desire from my head down going, oh, okay, I see this is where we're going now. And I could not do that and I could stay safe and comfortable, but it's ultimately not as rewarding or fulfilling as being in relationship to like to the purity of that desire. Like it's not, it's not arising from the mind. It's arising inside me and I'm just... Like the best I can do is be in a relationship to it. Mm. And how have you kind of fostered that relationship? How have you been able to tap into that intuition, like feeling and hearing? Meditation helped. Mm-hmm. I remember years and years ago, I had a friend that was friends with online and her mama was a psychic. And I remember asking her questions or talking. We we're just having a chat. And this is like we would have been teenagers, maybe 15 or 16. And I was talking to her about something. And she was like, oh, you should talk to my mum. And she put her mum on and this was like back on MSN. So I was chatting to her mum and she said something to me like, you need to start paying attention to your repetitive thoughts. That's your intuition. Uh, and that always stuck with me. And even now people say like, what's one of the most memorable things you've ever been told? I'm like, oh, that's, that's definitely up there. Like that's had me start to find a different reference point for a map for my life inside myself, which I didn't know before. It was just noise, whatever was happening inside me. Someone goes to me recently, how do you know the difference between if you're looping or you're following your intuition? I was like, I don't. Sometimes I eat chocolate 20 times a day. (laughs) (laughs) It told me so. (laughs) Yeah, but there is a difference. And I think we know when we're we're kidding ourselves. And sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's like, I don't know if this is my intuition. I'm just going to keep listening and 
see how their relationship to it changes as I listen. Maybe it gets louder and maybe it goes away. Mm, yeah, because I feel like I'm, yeah, at a stage where I'm really trying to, or like listening, I guess, to my intuition and, and just seeing kind of where it takes me and how I'm like just tuning into it a lot more. But it's still that whole thing of I don't know if this is, say, like a gut feeling or if it's just like my rational mind. Like I can't tell if this is like an intuitive pull or just my mind. Like it's still, it's no clear hey this is your intuition it's the right way this is where you should go it's very it's still same with like eating chocolate all the time it's just like is this a oh, what my body needs and i'm listening to it or is it just like my mind mm. yeah it's you know like it takes purifying to get closer to it and sometimes for me it's a question of like okay how much time am i willing to spend wondering if this is my intuition or not i'll just say the thing and see what happens mm. so i'd rather have mental clarity than delib- deliberating on is this my intuition or is this my mind? So I think there's multiple ways to go about it. So like, that's one way it's like, okay, let's just do the thing and see what happens. And that's going to depend on everyone. Like what the thing is, if the thing is like starting a business, it's a lot more, like it's a bigger risk than saying to someone, do you want to go out for for a coffee? But then on the other side, it's like having practices that are allowed the cognitive mind to come down, whether that's meditation or dance or art or music or, but just something we can come to where we know it's like, okay, the busy parts of my mind are going to slow down and I can kind of separate the the water from the dirt. Mm, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, like having creative outlets or downtime, especially just silence. And like, as I said, like meditation has been so powerful for me to kind of have these realizations. I feel like I'm a very productive person. I've always been like, so go, 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 like one to the next that I've never really had time or I don't value slowing down silence mm. like calm time so it's been really incredible especially like the last month at Krishna Village actually just slowing down and hearing so much internally yeah it's I think we we as a society like miss that a lot at least in Australia like the value of slowing down mm. I think you can feel it like when you spend a bit of time overseas in another country and you come back here you're like oh we're, we're a bit intense here it's like, mm. it's like there's too many batteries in the pack mm. Yeah, and it's always, I feel like it's a societal thing as well that we tied our worth with what, what we do. It's mm. like, who are you? Like, when you, even when you meet people, like, who are you, what you do, like, for work? And it's almost just, like, that establishes it straight away. Like, we're so much more than what we do. We might not even like the work that we're doing. That's not a, a representation of our worth or what we're capable of. Like, you might be just doing a temporary job, but, it, you know, you say, oh, this is my name, this is what I do. It's a bit of a, huh. And, like, it's crazy how much what we do or what we've achieved is being tied to our worth. Cause I was doing a lot of personal development and started noticing that there's a lot tied to what you achieve, what rank you are and kind of what you're doing and how worthy you are as a person. Like you mm. don't need to do anything to be worthy enough as is. And that's kind of when I went down the more spiritual path after realizing that. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel there's multiple. I definitely feel that's one side of it. And I was speaking to an astrologer, Drew Lawrence, and he said something pretty profound. Um, he was speaking about if we're, and he he's like, he's an astrologer, but he was so used to translate Sanskrit to English. So he's got quite a profound wisdom when it comes to yoga. And he was saying, if you're serious about following this enlightenment thing, there's two things you need to know, Marisla. One of them is consecrate everything. Consecrate is basically like give it back to God, divine, whatever you conceive that to be. Just like recognize you can't take any of this with you when you're dead. So whatever you're receiving, like offer it back up to life. This is in my words, but that's that's general, the general idea and how it landed for me. And the second thing he said is you can't have any desires when it gets to you, to you passing over from this life. 
he was like, basically, if you have a desire, that desire is like a ticket to come back for another life. And it really kind of woke me up. It's like, yeah, maybe one side of this is productivity, but another side is recognizing that there is a fuckload of desire inside me to do and produce and write and speak. And it's like, I'm not going to burn through that meditating in a cave. Like that stuff wants to be expressed. Mm, mm-hmm. And a part of me is like, okay, if that's there, uh, I don't want to be avoiding this. I'm like, I'm going to drive towards that so it can be expressed. Mm. And I feel we kind of, we disconnect or forget that. And I know for me, when I first started, there was a lot of judgment towards like spiritual people charging a lot of money. I'm like, what are you doing? You're doing it wrong. And now that I've kind of come around, I'm like, oh no, I see what this is about. It's like the path doesn't show up as just sitting there and meditating. If you're afraid of sales and money and business, there's a good chance you might have to walk down that path and purify your ideas of that by becoming that thing which you've been judging. Yeah. Yeah, and learn the hard way because then you kind of feel like a hypocrite Mm. and kind of actually doing what you were judging against. That's really fascinating. And I think I'm in that kind of pool as well. It's like, all right, productivity, want to go kind of against that, don't want to be kind of conforming, so like maybe slow down and start slowing down. Like, no, 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 I want, you know, I want to be running workshops, I want to be speaking, I want to be doing these things. But I think it's yet more of an authentic place that it's coming from, at least, that it's a, a pulling to go that way. But it's, yeah, like every time I have tried to slow down, like I don't want to just live a life where I'm just like in one little town. I want to grow and be big and be bold. So it's, yeah, mm. fascinating. Mm. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being able to speak about some of the really incredible concepts that just be, keep blowing my mind how much it can kind of change your life and influence the way you're living just by the way you're kind of thinking about it in terms of how you conceptualize fear and vulnerability and how you've been able to tap into your intuition. It's been really incredible speaking mm, with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you.